Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. And I want to say, where is Simon Cowell? <laughs> no, just kidding. You guys made my day, and I know you didn't make just my day, but you made God's day, and all these people are worshiping him, and the angels are happy and praising God now because of your song. I see people crying here today because these two kids put their angelic voices at work. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. Well, welcome to the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church. A special service we have today. See, in Jesus' time, while he was doing ministry, there was this man that really was insane. He was doing a lot of crazy things. You find this story in Mark chapter 5. And he was doing a lot of crazy things like we've all done in our old life. But one day he meets Jesus. And he's meeting with Jesus. He's in, he has an encounter with the Savior. And it changed his life. It transformed his life. He made people, people couldn't believe it. This man who was doing all these crazy things is now sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus. And follows him. And he was so in love with his Savior. He wanted to stay with him. To be with him. To linger there with him. And Jesus said, you know, as much as I love you, but no. You got a mission. And in Mark 5, 19, Jesus says, now you go. Go home. Go to your friends and tell what Jesus has done for you. That's the service we're going to have today. See, Dan, uh, uh, David 2, in, in, Daniel, uh, in Psalm 66, verse 16, he says, I will declare what the God of heaven has done for my soul. And David had a lot of story to tell. He put all these psalms together for us to know the praises of him who worked in his life. Today, we have a testimony service. Two of our own people whose lives have been touched by Jesus and this gospel of the kingdom that he had. And today, they're going to share with us. And I pray and hope that this will be a blessing to your heart. I pray that this will re-energize you once again to say, well, you know, if God worked in the life of Christy and Liam. I know he can work in my life. And if you really stop and think about it, that's why I invite you this week and for the next few weeks to really reflect. That's where this renewal comes from. When we start reflecting how God has worked in our lives. So at this time, I'm going to um, <clears throat> let Brenda come in. And before we go on with this testimony service, I would like to pray, if that's okay. God of heaven, you have been with us. You have mentioned through the pen of inspiration that you, we have nothing to fear for the future unless we forget 
the things the Lord has done in our past. Lord, I pray that you will be with these two people that will share from their life how you have touched their life. And we surrender this service to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I would like to call Christy Roberts up front, our women's ministries leader. For those of you that are not familiar with that, but she leads out our women's ministry. And I know she has sat back here and listened to testimonies and she, she always said, I didn't think I ever had a testimony. She said, you know, because most people that have testimonies are people that have been brought into the church, have not grown up in the church. But she said, the Lord told me, Christy, you have a testimony. And she was raised in the Adventist church. So she wants to share with you today how the Lord has led her through her life and how she's still waiting upon the Lord to lead her on. Thank you. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. I don't need that. Thank you, though. I'm used to that. I'm not used to this. So this is different. Uh, if you've ever been to Middletown Church before, you've probably seen me up here before. However, this is very different. <laughs> this is not coming up to welcome everybody to the church. This is not saying, stand with me as we sing. This is not my usual, and I am extremely nervous. So, um, I, I was born uh, in the church. The end. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was born in the church, so uh, like Brenda said, I've always felt like I don't really have a testimony to share because I've been in the church my entire life. Um, I'm third generation Adventist on my mother's side and fourth generation Adventist on my father's side. Um, so, you know, it's not like it's something that came to me when I was young. As I was listening to Steve Hamilton and Clarence Jeanette, The Last Testimony Sabbath, I sat there in my usual spot and thought, wow, I really wish I had a story like that to tell. And I kept hearing a little voice in my head saying, but you do. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I grew up in the church. I don't have a story that, oh my goodness, that car story was kind of crazy, wasn't it? The whole uh, getting the cop pulling you over and all that. I don't have anything like that, God. What are you saying? You know, because I knew it was God talking to me. And I just kept kind of pushing it aside and I was on praise team that week, and as we finished our close, closing song, Yvonne came up. And she was saying her closing remarks, and she was calling for people who would uh, be willing to give their testimony, and I'm still like, nope, that's not me. I wasn't converted. I was born in the church. And then she said, we would love to hear from someone who's been in the church their entire life. And I said, I laughed, I did, I laughed up front. And if you go back, well, I don't think we have that recorded, but I laughed and I said, okay, God, I heard you. <laughs> so I came down and I immediately talked to Yvonne and Brenda. I said, I don't really feel like I want to do this, but I feel like God is asking me to do this. So, um, that's, so that's why I'm up here today. <laughs> I was raised by a single mom. Um, how old was I, like two or three? Two or three years old. I've been raised by my mother since then. I've had a very, very close family. I am Brazilian, and we are, like, very tight. Um, my Aunt Eva and my cousin Melody are watching, and my Aunt Eva and my mother raised me. I love my father very much, but he was not a big part of my life growing up. Um, he had his own struggles and trials. And my cousin Melody is more like a sister 
then she is a cousin. And so I, um, I appreciate their prayers for me this morning. Um, my mother worked very hard to keep me in an Adventist school. And as an Adventist teacher, I appreciate that so much because I know it was not easy. I know there were a lot of people who helped financially so that I could be in an Adventist school. And I am not so sure that I would still be in the church if I hadn't been in an Adventist school my entire life. So thank you. I know it was a lot of sacrificing. I was baptized when I was nine years old. Um, I'm not sure I really knew what I was doing. We had baptismal classes in school and uh, my friends were like, yeah, let's do it, let's get baptized. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So could have been a little peer pressure there. I did love God, um, but I don't know that I fully understood what giving my life to God was at that point. But I did get baptized and I was always active in the church and I felt like it was a God thing that we had these young ladies leading in worship service and those two gorgeous children singing special music today because I feel like it's so, so important to involve everyone in the church from little on up. We all need to be involved. And I know we always say they are the future of our church, but the truth is they are our church. They are the church today, they aren't the future. They're, do, they're doing their leadership now. And that's how I grew up. I was always active in church. Scripture reading, special musics, um, all you know, school programs that we would do. So I've always been active in the church. And I have um, became a leader early on. I used to teach youth class as a youth myself. I was not in my 20s or 30s teaching youth. I was a youth and I was teaching youth class. And that's just the way I grew up. Now, even though I've been active and a leader in the church, you would think that means that I've been close to God my entire life. But that is not the case. <laughs> um, it is difficult sometimes. And I think we all can attest to the fact that it is challenging to stay close to God in the world we live in today. Um, I had a very strong church family. My mom surrounded me by a lot of good people in the church. And so between having an Adventist, strong, faithful mother, a strong school, Adventist school, and a strong Adventist church, those three have kept me here. And that's why I'm here today. <clears throat> Probably the most inactive I was in the, in the church was during my college years because I was at a big school, Southern Adventist University, and I just didn't get myself involved right away. And so it was kind of awkward because I was used to being involved all the time. So um, after I left college, I got back involved in the church um, soon after that because I realized how much I missed it. My freshman year in college, um, many of you may or may not know I had a sister. I was really hoping I was going to be able to tell you without crying. She passed away my freshman year in college from cancer. It's 
been over 20 years, but it still hurts. And I could have been, thank you, angry at God, and maybe at times I was, because she was the most wonderful person I ever know. She was born blind, and you would never know it. She did everything anybody else could do, maybe better. She played what they call beep ball. It's like t-ball, but for blind kids. Ball has one kind of beep, the bass has another. <laughs> and she was good. Usually the kids would have to have an adult lead them as they ran, but not my sister Kayla. She could hear that thing and she would run straight for it. <laughs> um, so it was probably midterms in the fall when she passed away. I didn't even want to go to college, honestly, because I knew it was close to her passing. And um, it was hard, but you know, I really started to dig into the Bible at that point. And I knew that it was either that or leave the church, because when something like that happens to you, um, it's kind of hard to believe in God. Because you ask, why God? Why would you allow this to happen? Even though I know it's the devil. <laughs> we all know it's the devil, but you still question God. But I, I chose to study the Bible and uh, just cling to God after she passed away. I don't think I was angry. I think I was just questioning the why. <clears throat> after that time, um, I had lots of moments of weakness in the church. I still do today. And I think if I could title my testimony, it would be stay active. I know that sounds more like a, like a physical, like a exercise kind of thing, but that's not what I mean and you'll see. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I have always stayed active in the church. I have never been a pew warmer. I don't know how to do it. Um, and I'm glad I don't. I have suffered from food addiction, I continue to suffer today, depression and anxiety, and I'm not talking about in the past, I'm talking about very recently. I'm still fighting through it, uh, I go through counseling, um, I am getting better, but it is something I go through, and you think, well, she's been in the church all her life, why? Why is she struggling with these things? We all do, we all do. Nobody is alone in that. So there were moments that, very recently in fact, that I wanted to let go of all my leadership positions. I wanted to let go of women minis women's, min ugh, women's ministries. I wanted to let go of praise team. I wanted to let go of everything because I'm tired and I'm worn out. But I kept hearing God's voice saying, don't do it. Don't do it because if you do it, you're going to leave the church. That's what God was telling me, that if I stopped being active in the church, I was going to leave the church. Last year, I was sick for quite some time, just, you know, the crud we have here, all the congestion and nastiness that goes on in the Ohio Valley. And um, there was a good two, three week stretch that I stayed home. And while I think live stream is a wonderful blessing because my aunt and my cousin are able to watch today because of it, and I know your mother watches you, Pastor, um, I also think that we need to be careful with it. Because I stayed home those weeks and I did watch the service and I thought, oh, this isn't so bad. 
I don't have to get dressed. I can take my time. I can just sit here and just watch in the comfort of my own home. Anybody with me on that? So I will tell you, after those two to three weeks, it was very hard to come back. But the only thing that brought me back is I had commitments and I was active and I needed to be here. So I thank God for keeping me active in the church and helping me to see that if I didn't, that that could be the end of my journey. It's so easy to withdraw from the church, like I said. Again, it's a wonderful technology when used appropriately. So please be careful if you are one of those people who's watching right now and you haven't been to church in a while, I, I invite you to come back. <clears throat> um, let's see. So yeah, so this, my main message is to stay active. These young people, stay active. Always do something for the church. Um, if you have been in the church all your life, if you are new to the church, maybe you've been recently baptized, if you came into the church as a teenager and you're older now, and it doesn't matter, all of us, we all need to find our place and find what it is that God is calling us to do in the church because that is how he keeps his church alive and that is how he keeps his relationship with us alive. So don't stop coming and stay active. Cling to God even when you feel like a hypocrite because there are many Sabbaths I am up front and I'm like, Lord, if they only knew what's going on in my life right now and how I'm behaving. Uh, even when you don't feel like going to church, come anyway. Even when you don't feel like praying, pray anyway. Even when you don't feel like you belong here, you do, so come. Just like it's important to keep up with a good habit so you don't replace it with bad ones, it's important to keep faithful and keep coming to church and stay active. So, although I don't have a huge conversion story, I did forget to tell you, I was rebaptized at 16 when I truly understood what I was doing. Um, but that is, that is the thing I want you to leave with here today. Um, if you are tempted to let things go because it's too stressful, okay, let a few things go, but keep something. Keep yourself active in something in the church so that you will not leave. Thank you. Thank you, Christy. And I'm still in the church because of being active from a child, singing like those sung this morning up until at this time. Um, our next testimony is from Lim Lang. I had asked him to, if he would share his testimony with us. I heard his testimony about 25 years ago. We're dating ourselves, okay. Uh, I did meet him here at the Middletown Church about 30 years ago, I think, and I saw he and uh, Colleen sitting in the uh, middle pews and just beaming. They always impressed me. They're, they're always very pleasant, uh, very gracious people, and always, yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> and always very helpful and encouraging. So I hope and pray that you will be as inspired by his testimony as I was 25 years ago.
try it again. That's better. Well, good morning and Shabbat Shalom, Sabbath peace. And I also want to thank our young people. I used to be a young people uh, for, for leading out in song. I, we need a couple of young men up there too, though. Uh, and also our special music. That is just such a blessing. And thank you, Christy. Where is Christy for sharing your testimony as well? Well, my name is Liam Lang, and this is part of my story. I was born in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, the youngest of 12 children, seven girls, five boys, two sets of twins, all still alive. No one's pictures displayed in the post office. Our first home, I'm told, was 700 square feet. Until my dad built an addition using a human-powered table saw. He had plenty of power. And then there were 14 people in a, four, in a palatial 1,400-square-foot home. How did we ever do it? As a child, I despised being called or introduced as the baby of the family, but I'm cool with it now. <laughs> my parents were devout Roman Catholics. My Irish-born mother actually read her Bible, which was pretty radical for 1960s Catholicism, and she lived according to all the light she received. She was solid in her faith, never proselytized, and was respectful of others, witnessing through example. She was the epitome of the Proverbs 31 virtuous woman, made most of the food in our home from scratch. We had two ovens, sewed many of our clothes, always had knitting needles in her hand, and enjoyed a good, clean joke. My mom passed away too early from cancer at the age of 58, as I was entering grade 12 in Lacombe, Alberta, which is the home of Canadian Union College, now called Berman University. Fortunately, having a strong support system in the form of older brothers and sisters helped to ease the pain, tremendous pain of loss, but losing a beloved parent is never easy. We collected our mail at the College Heights post office on campus, so that was my first exposure to Seventh-day Adventists. Now let me tell you, evangelical Protestants were already strange enough. Adventists were beyond weird. They were squeaky clean Bible thumpers who ate fake meat and went to church on the wrong day. Fortunately, with exposure and interaction, I was able to see that they didn't have a third eye and were pretty nice people. A dozen years later, when I finally met my future wife, Colleen, as well as her parents and siblings, all active in the Adventist church, and studied books on what Adventists believe, I was able to understand that they were followers of Christ who professed a love for the Lord and His Word, eagerly looking forward to the return of their Savior and King. My siblings talk about my mother and our granny drinking tea up in heaven to this day, but I am so thankful to have learned the Holy Bible consistently and logically portrays death as an unconscious sleep. When one is willing to set aside their preconceptions and let the Word reveal itself, that is. It may not be the accepted view in most of Christendom, but truth is not determined by majority vote nor by the passage of time. It is my own considered opinion that in the last days of this planet's history, 
widespread belief in the immortality of the soul and the attendant spiritual confusion resulting from fallen angels masquerading as departed loved ones to perhaps hundreds of millions of people of the still living will lead more people into spiritual error and eternal destruction than we can ever imagine. Do we know scripture well enough, frontwards and backwards, to be able to lead someone who has never known otherwise into a knowledge of the truth on this subject or on the Sabbath? I know I have some brushing up to do. As the old saying goes, use it or lose it. So let's stay in, our, in the Word. My German-born father converted to Catholicism while serving in the Canadian Army in World War II after meeting and marrying my mother in London, England in 1943. He was a solid provider to a large family, loved camping, nature, hiking, singing, books, art, and good music. He instilled in us a love for reading and classical music at an early age for which I am grateful. And I'm also very thankful that we never had a television set in our home until I was 12. And then we got one channel. We attended church every Sunday without fail. If unable to for some reason, such as on vacation, then attending weekday mass at the earliest possible opportunity was necessary to meet one's obligations as a Catholic. I admire that devotion to worshiping our Creator, even though I may differ with my Catholic family members and acquaintances on many points of theology and remind, uh, and remind myself that God has His people, those who are seeking Him with all their hearts, in every church and denomination. As the old saying goes, we can disagree without being disagreeable. Around age 12, I concluded that churches were full of hypocrites. I still believe that, including in our own beloved denomination. But sometimes, not always, with age comes wisdom. I have more than enough beams or planks in my own eye to spend much time pondering the speck in my neighbors. Sometimes that hypocrite is the person whose face I'm shaving in the morning. Thank God for His grace when we stumble and sometimes fall flat on our faces. As the parable about the wheat and tares, or the sheep and goats, teach, the separating will occur on the great and glorious day of the Lord. Thus one should keep their eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, focus on the person in the mirror, and leave the others to the great physician in our hospitals for sinners, where even the staff needs healing. As for Jesus, in my young mind, he was simply a man from long ago who got sideways with Pax Romana and the religious power brokers of his day and was taken out. Kind of like the mafia when someone is about to get whacked. Nothing personal, just business. Of course, I'd never actually read the Bible up to this point, so my uninformed but cherished opinions were largely based on ignorance, much like we see in many areas of life today from so many. In Revelation 3.20, Yeshua, Jesus, says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. As I grew up, embarking on a flying career and entering the world as a young adult, in retrospect, it is evident that the Lord was knocking patiently but insistently on the door to get my attention. A few instances. 
My first commercial pilot job in the early 1980s involved flying float and ski planes in northwestern Ontario, about 400 miles north of Minneapolis, St. Paul. A friend and co-worker had been sent on a trip to point B, and about one hour later, I was sent on a trip to point A, not quite as far away. Both destinations lay along the exact same track. Now, to preclude close airplane encounters of the scary kind, there is a rule in aviation. East is least, west is best. When you're flying on the eastern half of the compass, you fly at odd altitudes. When you're flying on the west, anywhere on the west points of the compass, you fly at even altitudes. This was big sky country, however, and one rarely saw another airplane even in the distance. Believe it or not, against a background that can be comprised of hundreds of thousands of cubic miles of sky, another airplane is about the size of a pencil dot until it's suddenly really, really close. Since we navigated strictly by map reading and dead reckoning, in poor visibility, an odd-shaped stretch of shoreline or a bend in a creek could be mighty valuable information. I was intently studying the map and terrain when my friend's airplane went right underneath me, close enough for me to see the rivets in his wing. Our combined closing speed was probably about 250 miles per hour or 170 feet per second, give or take. I called him on the radio and said, did you see that? He said, see what? I said, I'll tell you when I land. Turns out that while I was at least engaged in legitimate navigation at the correct altitude, my friend was mostly heads down, filling out his logbook at the wrong altitude. Boys and girls, sometimes rules are put in place for our safety and protection. Now, occasionally people will ask what college I attended, to which I reply, BPU. BPU, they ask. I've heard of BYU, but not BPU. Where is it? It's in northern Canada, Bush Pilot University. I majored in practical aviation, and got a four-year degree in not killing thyself. <laughs> the following spring, I was scheduled to move up to the same de Havilland DHC-2 Beaver airplane that my friend had been flying, the most iconic of Canadian bush planes, a good career advance and stepping stone. However, my older brother called out of the blue and asked me to join a business investing enterprise to be the tech guy on something called an Apple computer. Against all conventional wisdom, where building flying hours and experience is paramount to advancing one's career and hopefully getting a shot at the major airlines, I gave my notice to the small air service and headed for the Toronto area. A new pilot named Jay was hired to replace me. Less than three months later, Jay was dead, and the plane lay at the bottom of a lake, having suffered a catastrophic structural failure and wing separation in flight. Those two events stayed with me, but being a non-believer, I simply chalked them up to fate or luck. Today, I would say guardian angel and God's mercy and grace. As the saying goes, a third time's a charm, and the third knock at the door came when we were financially wiped out in 10 days, resulting in Bible studies with an airline colleague of my brother who had given him a Bible at Christmas many years before. I finally had to come face to face with the unequivocal claims of the Nazarene. Was he just a good man? Was he a delusional madman? Or a bad man telling lies? 
Or was he who he claimed to be, the God-man? I had to conclude, based on the evidence presented, that Jesus was the latter, God incarnate, the one who spoke galaxies and worlds into existence, who willingly humbled himself, set aside his royal crown, robes, and scepter to walk among, minister to, and ultimately offer, without coercion, his perfect sinless life as a legal substitute for the sin-cursed, rebellious, wretched lives of Adam, Eve, and all their descendants. Thus, at the age of 21, I prayed the sinner's prayer, acknowledging that I was spiritually lost, genetically programmed for rebellion against a holy God. I could never do enough, earn enough merit, be good enough, or give enough money to charity to obtain a pardon but that by accepting the substitutionary sacrifice of the one who was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, believing that he was nailed to a cruel cross in my stead, bore the guilt and punishment for my transgressions, died, was laid to rest in a borrowed tomb, and yet three days later gloriously rose to life, was seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses, and then ascended back to the heavenly realm where he ministers in the temple not made with hands as our high priest, that by accepting this freely offered gift of salvation, I could be counted as an heir with Christ and a child of God. What an incredible offer! And yet billions are too absorbed in the world, maybe too desperate to find a scrap of food, too full of pride, too spiritually blind, too bent upon conquest, too busy avoiding reality, too unwilling to consider their current situation or engage in honest self-examination to even consider the message. However, let us not despair. Thankfully, because of incredible technology like shortwave and AM and FM radio, satellite TV, the internet, thumb drives, cell phone evangelism, mission aviation, faster translation and printing of Bibles, in increasing literacy, the gospel is being preached to the entire world. And our planet is being blanketed with the greatest news in the universe. Let us not become discouraged, but remain hopeful and faithful that God will do what He said He will do. And let us be ready to do our part when the floodgates open. To say that everything has been a cakewalk or a bed of rose petals would be a falsehood, of course. There have been many stumbles and failings and trials along the way, although the blessings have been great as well, beyond what I could have imagined, including a miraculous Sabbath accommodation issue with my employer. Briefly, I was given an assignment a few years ago, and I had less than an hour to decide whether to take it and violate the Sabbath, which is a, it's, it's a sincerely held belief of mine, or tell my company that I couldn't accept the assignment and potentially lose my job. Praise God, it worked out. It was miraculous. I was given a, a letter of accommodation, probably the first one in airline history, to be able to not have to work on the Sabbath day. One of my go-to verses when facing scare at times scary life is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. 
And the peace of God, literally the shalom of Yahweh, will sur- which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I cannot imagine facing the world today without the peace which surpasses all understanding, the Word to light the way, and the Holy Spirit to provide hope, comfort, and sustain us in this journey. May we who are believers never lose sight of the precious gift we have been given, and may we be faithful to share it with others when the opportunity arises. Amen. At this time, we're going to open the floor for a few praises and uh, testimonies. If you would like to share something very short, it's 20 after 12, so uh, we would like to open the floor, though, for just a few minutes. So if you would, would you like to raise your hand for those for that time? We'll come to you with a mic. Didn't mean to scare you all. <laughs> I know I already spoke, but I got so nervous. I forgot to tell you guys, even though my father was not active in my life when I was younger, after my sister got sick and passed away, he came back to the church. He's very strong in the church, and we have a wonderful relationship now. So I just wanted to make sure to say that because I love my dad, and he's going to be here this summer, so I didn't want you guys to think anything bad of him. Good afternoon, church. I just wanted to say that I'm truly, truly blessed by today's testimony by both Christy and Liam. I know Christy had asked for prayers, and I think um, I'm I'm thankful for that because I really do think that it really touched me. Um, I think today what I really want to say thank you is um, for this church and how you every. I would say most of you are somehow very much involved in my children's lives in some ways, um, and I'm so thankful for that. And I think, um, I didn't realize it, but as Christy said, it is so important to be involved in some ways, and I think this church has really, um, each one of you in some ways have connected with my children in getting them involved in, you know, church. And I, I'm thankful for especially my son Josh, um, he feels like because of that connection and and, and just being a part of his life, he wanted to continue that even when he went to a, you know, um, secular university. Um, uh, what I mean is, is it's not an Adventist school. He is going to a, a public university. So, but he still feels like he wants that um, family, uh, the church family connection. So he is building that at Lexington. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I, I couldn't, I, I take it for granted. I just pray and hope that he continues that way. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, a year from now, but I'm just thankful for where he is right now and that um, it is because of our church just being a part of his life and um, and and I'm thankful that even for my younger two children that that's the case. And I'm thankful for everyone here that has played uh, a part in doing that, whether it's uh, big or small, it, it is important. So um, I, I'm not very good about that. I'm not very good about connecting with our young people here. And I think it's so important that we do. And I'm, I want to try to make a conscious effort of doing that, but I sometimes fail at that. But I, I just want to thank... I'm, just want to thank the church for that. 
We want to remember our young people this weekend. They are at uh, Indian Creek uh, 7-Up with Joey and Stephanie. So they are there getting a blessing, and they'll bring a blessing back to us. Anyone else want to share praise? young people keep coming into the conversation. And as Christy was talking, I thought about how, you know, sometimes we think we don't have a testimony, but until you sit down and look and see how God has led in your life, you don't, you don't think about it. Sometimes you don't, you don't look at that past tapestry that he's weaving. Um, and I just wanted to say that one of the things that I, where I, one of the places I see God leading is on a regular basis is in our school and often it's when I have to give a report of some sort that I start looking over and going oh oh that worked out oh this happened oh this changed this year oh it's amazing how um, I have seen his leading as I've been involved in our local school for those of you that may not know we have a school that's pre-k through 12 and this year we have our, our highest enrollment ever of 94 students and <clears throat> I just I'm grateful um, for his direct involvement despite ourselves um, in our school that helps it grow, that keeps it stable, that brings students to us that um, are supposed to be there. And, and I believe so deeply in that ministry. And I'm just, I'm, I just want to praise him for being in, engaged in that. Somewhat, sometimes we don't see praises in things until, like Christy said, you're involved in them. And then when you're involved in it, you see the praises of the Lord and the things that he has led us through. Any more? Okay. 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 Um, so a couple of weeks ago, um, I was blessed with the news that I got into um, a PhD program in philosophy and I, I really give God praise for that because I felt very, um, very underqualified to do that. And there's some passions that God has placed upon my heart, um, some ways I want to contribute to the church, um, different discussions in the church that I think that we need to really have. And God really put that burden in my heart to study philosophy, to kind of help maybe guide the church into some of those conversations. And I, I want to give praise to God for getting me into that because I didn't feel like I would ever get in. So I, I really thank God for that. Um, as you all know, that I went home to Philippines last month for the burial of my dad. And I want the church, I want to thank you all for your comforting prayers. And I feel your prayers. I feel the comfort and peace in God's promises. And with all your prayers, it helped me a lot. So I really thank you. And for those like who just come and you know whenever they want it, I'm telling you, having a church family helps a lot. It really do. And their prayers and comfort, you will feel a bigger family that's supporting you. So uh, church really helps. So don't give up on your church, keep coming for God has a purpose for everyone. And I believe that 
now before I'm so scared of death, but now I see it as a blessing that if you die in God and in God's promises, Amen. you will be there on that resurrection morning and that death is a blessing. So don't be scared. And that's what I get from the church family that I go to. And I'm thankful for the Seventh-day Adventists for showing me and for, you know, being there. And I feel all of your prayers. So there's peace and comfort in God. Amen. We need to remember Glowy and her family. Her mother's coming here to, uh, for her to be a caretaker for her. And Robert also has a father and a stepfather that they're dealing with some things with them, some health issues. So please remember the Woodruff family in your prayers. I just want to mention briefly that God is, I really feel that God is working in this church. A lot of prayers are going up and we're seeing results. I mean, hearts are being touched. You may not be aware that each morning there's a group that prays here at 9.30 and walks through this church. I believe God is touching hearts that we will press together and everyone will be, be reached and, and uh, feel a part of, of this church and step up to, to be involved in it, like uh, Christy was saying. As many of you know, and you've been praying, and I so appreciate it, my grandson and my granddaughter that had the accident, they have totally recovered completely, and it's because of all your prayers, and I thank you. Amen. Hi. Um, I just want to thank you for mary louise and jim then they helped me and my daughter to come to america and um, i just want to i'm very happy because she's going to graduate in may she's finishing school <laughs> and i just want to thank you thank you them and thank you for the church for helping us for all the all the things happening you know until now <laughs> and we're very good and you know we just We'll see what, what is, if you're going to continue here. or, But we love the church. Thank you. Amen. I just thought I want to praise the Lord this morning for my mom and my son. Rusty and my mom two weeks ago went to uh, Dadesville, Alabama to an Adventist uh, camp like Indian Creek to do some much needed repairs and ref I think they maybe tore down a building or revented, revented you know re yeah <laughs> renovated inside thank you um, I don't like talking either I'm like Christy uh, <laughs> but anyway last Sabbath morning right before Sabbath school where they were having church there was like a lot of flights of steps and as they were my mom was going down she thought she hit the landing and she went to switch the rail had her Bible and everything and she wasn't on the landing. So when she went that next step, she fell and hit hard on her back. So they took her to the emergency room. Luckily, she did not break anything. So I want to praise God that she did not break anything. But she, um, 
got a contusion and it wasn't black and blue on the outside, but she has a lot, a lot of pain on the inside. She couldn't drive her car. She couldn't come back. So she's down there. They're nine hours away. And um, meanwhile, of course, Rusty's wanting to stay the whole three weeks. But, you know, we prayed for healing. We prayed she'd be able to come back home. And because um, we only have really one car that I can drive that far. <laughs> and um, but anyway, they came home yesterday. There, um, I don't know if anyone knows Pat Bullock that um, used to go Pee Wee Church. She was there with her husband, and they were coming back home down in the Portland area yesterday. So they drove her car, or Pat drove her car, and until um, there. And then Mom only had to drive two and a half hours back yesterday, and she did fine. But we were prepared to go meet her if we needed to, but she wasn't hurting, and she could go. And one thing I want to say, I'm very proud of Rusty, because she was talking to the lady on the phone this morning that runs it, and she said, you know, the first week they could tell Rusty was a little unsure about things because they were, like, you know, doing saws and shop vacs and nail guns and all this stuff Rusty's never done before. But she said, but this, this week, she was, you know, I know you'll have to go, but I think one more week would have been really good for him because this week his confidence, you could really tell how his confidence had built in just one week and the things he accomplished this week. And she said, and I told your, um, your grandson, she said, I told him, and Rusty, you have taught me something. She said, you have taught me to take a breath and have patience. And I have learned such patience just by knowing you this two weeks. So that was a real blessing for me. It made me really proud. So I'm glad they're both safely home. We just want to remind you that if you do have a testimony that you would like to share, if you'll see Yvonne or myself or the pastor, uh, we will, we're trying to do that once a quarter. So if you would like to share a testimony, please see one of us. At this time, we'll be closing our service. No, we have a closing song. Oh, we have a closing song. I'm sorry. Okay. If the girls would come and sing for us. Thank you, girls.